0: Cardboard, known for being brown, famous for being boxes. Nobody thinks much about it, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why cardboard is secretly incredibly fascinating. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode, a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. Two wonderful returning guests today, Caitlin Gill and Blake Wexler. They are also both wonderful stand up comedians. Caitlin Gill's latest album is titled Major. Blake Wexler has multiple number one stand up albums, and his latest is A Lifetime of Laughter. There are many other things as well. Blake Wexler is a podcaster. His show is called Blake's Takes for God's Sakes. And Caitlin Gill has her own t-shirt business. It's called GuaranteeShirts.com. Great site and also provides some insight into today's topic. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Canarsie and Lenape peoples. Acknowledge Caitlin recorded this on the traditional land of the Yuhaviyatam and Marengayam peoples. Acknowledge Blake recorded this from Lenapehoking, the traditional land of the Leni Lenape people. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about cardboard Cardboard is a patron chosen topic for this month. Thank you to Samuel Ross for that suggestion. Thank you to Ryan Huffman for supporting it in the threads at sifpod.fun. and a really fun whole community groundswell around that one that has been a suggestion before. And I'm not surprised. It's an absolutely perfect, absolutely self-explanatory topic that fits the podcast like a glove, perhaps one you receive from online shopping in a cardboard box. Also, two other heads ups for you. One is about Caitlin's microphone. There were issues with the mic. There were issues with the audio. So you're going to hear her backup like Zoom call internet audio. It's totally legible. It's totally still a good experience. I also find that like a few people always want to know if there's any non totally normal podcast microphone audio. So there's your heads up for those folks. Now, you know. Other Heads Up is a whole nother show for you. At least if you're listening in the free public feed, there's a little treat for you, because last year Jason Pargen and I taped a bonus show that has only been for patrons so far. It was about Halloween candy and about dangers around that and really overblown myths around the dangers around that. Anyway, I decided to do a free release of that old bonus show because it's still incredibly relevant, and also tis the season. So if you look in your public free podcast feed... There's this cardboard episode, and then also there is a bonus show from last year about Halloween candy. And uh, please enjoy. So, please sit back, or, oh no, it's the wrong size of glove. Time to begin to process a return and get yet another cardboard box to send it on back. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Caitlin Gill and Blake Wexler. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Kaylin, Blake, so good to have you both back. And of course, I always start by asking guests their relationship to the topic or opinion of it. And either we can start, but how do you feel about cardboard?
1: I tell you what, I'm I'm not bored. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, card excited. That's I'm right, card excited.
1: Yeah. Uh, card hype. And I live way out. Um, so it's shipments come all the time. Cardboard boxes are always a very exciting sight. Uh, we're composters. Those mm. boxes, that's gold. And they're they're just kind of fun. How do they do that? They hold a lot until they don't at all. So I am kind of fascinated by the like the strength to weakness snapping point. What's the roche limit of a of a cardboard box? When do you get it? It's so close its power just
2: fails entirely. <laughs> the roche limit. Incredible.
1: it's when you get too close to something that's yeah. gravity rips you apart it doesn't apply at all but it still felt right there's some point at which cardboard is damp and still strong and then suddenly all your stuff's everywhere there is a line with cardboard where it I'm with had you. great integrity and suddenly has none i find it fascinating
2: yeah it's it's such a funny time where i I, i'm a huge fan of your podcast alex we were talking before and it it does like you do for a moment sometimes forget how talented you are and how good you are at this where when you get the topic cardboard it's almost insulting like when you read it on paper (laughs) like it's it's like wild (laughs) it's like oh, oh paper is more exciting on paper than the topic <laughs> of cardboard but it's so but then I listen to every single episode of yours and that's the genius of the podcast you do make it very interesting and I think uh. um to your point even when it gets wet it's still quite strong where you know when uh, before the recycling yeah. comes we'll keep uh, we just got I just got married a month or two ago Woo. and no way to tell for sure Woo. thank you <laughs> and we <laughs> Were fortunate enough to get like nice you know like uh kind gifts from our friends and stuff, and many of them come in cardboard box boxes, so we've just had piles and piles of cardboard, and we'll leave them outside until the recycling comes, and it pours here every once in a while and then but they would still okay. hold their integrity both metaphorically and literally (laughs) and you know i was always shocked when i would take them you know out to the front of the house and it's like oh no they're not shredding or like falling apart in your hands it is a deceivingly strong medium if you will
0: (laughs) yeah we here in here in the new york city area same thing like we're among the trashes of the street Mm -hmm. and the rain does not sweep the cardboard away it's just still there (laughs) and somehow more powerful It just, (laughs) it like gains a grudge against us and is like, I'm staying, staying now. Forget it. (laughs) And like, that was very nice. And also congratulations. Amazing. Oh, thank you very much. Because we are in the process of approaching a wedding and cardboard is my life. The internet and the magic of the mail. It's just bringing it to us all the
2: time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You're familiar.
1: I feel like I'm about to learn like that. I didn't know how much cardboard changed. The, the solutions that Cardboard presents have solved problems that are have, are so long absent from my life that I can't imagine a world without the solution Cardboard provides.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On most episodes, we start with stats and numbers. The structure of this one is one giant takeaway, and then stats and numbers is the whole rest of the main show. Because the the first takeaway is the history of Cardboard. Let's go into takeaway number one. The modern cardboard box comes from the whole history of paper and from an invention for men's hats and from an accident at a paper bag factory. Huh. I know that's a lot of things, but we got the cardboard box from other than the general invention of paper. uh, There was initially an invention for holding up men's hats like stovepipe hats. And then also there was an accident at a paper bag factory where they figured out how to make the boxes.
1: I know that it's an industrial environment where real accidents to real people's bodies can happen. And yet mm-hmm. the only image in my mind of an industrial accident of a paper plant is sort of adorable. <laughs> just kind of slip it on too much paper, throwing paper at each other. Just, I don't know why it's confetti. It's just, it's got a confetti vibe. Uh, still too fun. I got to dial back the fun from the term industrial Mm -hmm. accident at the paper
2: factory it's more of a mess than a horrific accident if that makes sense yeah yeah no one was harmed yeah you
1: know one one step short of industrial accident at the cupcake sprinkle factory which is somehow more (laughs) ominous than paper i don't know
2: someone got full someone got very full (laughs) during during the accident
1: (laughs) someone's gird kicked up so we're we're shutting down for the day
0: I just, I added in like a dark true crime show soundtrack and I'm just like, his tum-tum was stuffed. His tum-tum was so <laughs> stuff rooney
2: <laughs>
0: By the way, shout out to patrons Samuel Ross and also Ryan Huffman for suggesting this and everybody for voting for it. Cause really, I'd really never thought about, Hey, where did we get cardboard? Cause like technically cardboard is just any thicker paper. And so there's a few stages that are way better documented than I expected that got us from nothing to cardboard boxes or what everything is in. A bunch of sources for this story, especially some museum collections, the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York, the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, and then also the New York City History and Culture website sixsquarefeet.com, which is abbreviated at six SQFT. But yeah, this starts with, where did cardboard come from in general? It's a durable type of paper. And some of the world's very first paper was used the way we use cardboard now a lot to pack stuff and contain stuff. Turns out that Han Dynasty China made the first modern style paper in the 100s BC, and they first used it not for writing things or for books. It was for wrapping stuff, either like wrapping up tea leaves or wrapping up bigger objects that were going to get moved.
2: Interesting.
1: That makes a kind of sense. I suppose the process of making it in bite-sized pieces, like individual pieces of paper, would have to be uh, further along the line dimension, right? Imagine the first paper was sort of a lot of pulp squished into sort of a giant shape. Yeah, just for some reason, think of sheets first, like we wanted paper to write something down on. And like, you know, I don't think it worked backwards that way. I think we realized paper was something we could write on probably after we made paper for some reason.
2: It is interesting to think, too, that that sounds like a better invention to use paper in that way slash cardboard than like packing peanuts of now you know like somehow we went worse (laughs) like like, we screwed it up it's like how did you know the han dynasty nail this on the first shot and then we add this this disaster this absolute disaster that like affects the property value of your home if you open up a package with that stuff in it i almost swore but i didn't and (laughs) Let the record state I didn't, but yeah, no, it's that was really yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) Your your true real good fury against packing peanuts was butting up against the format. It was like
2: ah, I must defeat these. (laughs) You'd be surprised.
0: Yeah, uh, there's also there's a recent episode about surnames where we talked about early writing in china and they were writing before they had paper for it like they would inscribe stuff into bamboo or metal or like weave it into silk there were all kinds of ways to write already so so yes yeah, so a writing paper came along kind of later they started with the bluntest heaviest paper for packing stuff interesting real cardboard <laughs> vibe you know like feels like it not it, but yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, there's a huge range of other paper types across history. There was Egyptian papyrus about 5,000 years ago, which was made from reeds in the Nile. There was also a parchment called vellum. Vellum was made from the skin of baby calves and like other little mammals. Uh, And that started about a thousand years ago in Europe. And, And wood pulp starts becoming more and more common as a paper material worldwide. Then we get the name cardboard before like modern boxes and stuff. And it kind of comes two ways all at once, the name Cardboard. One of them is that in 1500s France and 1500s England, they used thick paper to make some playing cards. So it's like a board for cards. Great. Um,
1: no way. But the other... I no, I... no, for some reason <laughs> that, that blows my... Well, it came backwards from games. Yeah. Because it has such a formal name. Cardboard feels like a name made by committee. Mm-hmm. A name made by yeah. uh, around a table uh, yeah. by people who debated other options and decided they were unsuitable or perhaps up patented by some ancient process. <laughs> Just has a very... I, I did not know that.
0: And it's weird because there's like that origin and then there's a whole separate ancient one that is not even related to what it is because according to Merriam-Webster, word origin-wise, the English and French words for card originated from the old italian word carta which means a leaf of paper and then that comes from the latin word charta which means a leaf of papyrus hmm. Hmm. so so we've got both playing cards in medieval times and also like ancient papyrus are both coming together to make the word covered all bases
2: yeah thorough
0: yeah and then at some point everybody just agreed yeah
1: <laughs> maybe a product so ubiquitous as paper like globally popular and to my, the words around it that have evolved are reflective of that that right. it must be sort of a pastiche of the global use of paper that the way we talk about it or refer to it i, I suppose must kind of be a mixed bag of every kind of cultural influence yeah yeah
0: yeah especially with like globalization on the internet and English language spreading a lot. I think it's just cardboard now. But, uh, you know, there was probably debate and discussion before, uh, either either by the boring people or other people. I don't know who. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, yeah, so that's that name. And then there's a separate development for modern cardboard. Like the, the playing cards are very different. Just the basic flat type uh, uh, for stuff like board games, we start getting that in the 1800s. What's considered like one of the first cardboard board games was made in 1817. It's a German game called The Game of Besieging. Of course. And Victorian...
1: of course. Yeah, it couldn't be anything else.
0: Yeah.
1: A, their Besieging. It's union all just one word.
0: And so there's this increasing history of like thick paper that's tough and can be just like a, a something that holds up to everything from game playing to stress. And then the real leap that gave us cardboard boxes was corrugated cardboard. And I think people have heard of this. Like if you look at especially the edge of any of your cardboard boxes, mm-hmm. you'll see that it's like kind of two flat pieces
2: with a hollow section with like a wavy third piece of paper in between that's corrugated cardboard. That's what I wanted to know about the most, I think from this podcast is that I would always, it's just one of those things where I don't know if it's willful ignorance or just like the lack of intellectual curiosity that I have. But like, I, so, so thank you for spoon feeding the information, which is how I need to take it in um, or else I choke. But it's, I, I mentally uh, choke and asphyxiate, but um, it, I've always looked at cardboard and saw that, you know, wavy thing and yeah, I, I'm I like I wonder, is that what makes it so so powerful? I imagine it gives a little cushion to it if you were to bounce on it. Um, that's probably not why they did it, but yeah, I've always wondered what that what that is yeah, it's like it's
0: both lighter and stronger than a regular cardboard, yeah like, and it is sort of automatic cushioning for stuff we ship in it, and it's like a very quiet miracle. Of modern life, that yeah. like cardboard can be stronger and lighter, and we put all our stuff in it, and it holds up pretty well. now cool. it's amazing.
1: It is. Yeah, it's that wavy arch structure, right? I mean. It's like a bunch of weird, like structural tiny miracles.
0: Yeah. Yes, it. It turns out those are technically called flutes. The like Dude. the little gaps and arches in the cardboard inside the cardboard. They're
1: flutes. Pan vibes. I get it. <laughs> <Pan vibes. laughs> <laughs> Sorry, i just deep in Greek myth stuff. So, yeah, instantly I just went to like goat footed man with a piece of coordinated cardboard, uh, like vertically turned under his mouth. Just <laughs> <laughs>
2: was, was Pan different from Dionysus, or am I mixing up?
1: Yes, yeah, they are. I believe they hung out. I recall a couple instances where their names appear together again. At if you're yeah, like like, yeah, upset about my misdesignations of Greek uh, uh, figures converging with one another, but no, Dionysus uh, made one. and Pan was, just, as far as I can tell, Pan is just like yeah. <laughs> that's like his whole thing. They
2: they have similar vibes, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like the two of them were
0: literally at the same parties in stories, right? Like, wherever there's wine flowing right. in a clearing, they're both there.
1: Pan's around. Pan liked wine. With the goat legs, it sort of says that Pan's a little bit earlier than Dionysus. He's like, yeah. maybe a half the or, the or one full generation. Yeah, <laughs> if you got goat legs, you're straight out of Gaia. Yeah. Like, you're just, you're born on Earth. If you're a mismatch, if you're all smushed up, you are either directly born of the dirt or... Some, some real God got his eyes on something else. And, but it's an early. It's an early days. It's a, a first draft yeah. edition. Right.
2: <laughs> they hit publish a little too quick on, on that fella.
1: The Sidon made the horse. and Apparently there were drafts that include the hippo, the zebra, and a couple other animals that just seemed so rude to insult them. He just tried to make a, something as good as the horse, which seems so rude. Like the Greeks just looked at like, well, the horse is good.
2: That's perfect. None
1: of these are like the horse. They must have been the, the early ones. <laughs> you know, the first pancake of the horse.
2: <laughs> I guess I've always loved hippos for, you know, despite their mm, yeah. personalities. But it, <laughs> I guess if you do compare them, to, if you're trying to make a horse and you made a hippo, I do – Understand the the self hatred Poseidon probably had for himself, or he did. Yeah, he didn't hit the mark quite quite on that one.
0: (laughs) Hippo's are so cool. I like the idea of a horse being like a hippo after too many notes from the client or the studio or whatever. You know, like they really overnoted this thing.
1: We had it at the hippo. Yeah, at the hippo. The writer's assistants in the corner, just like I didn't delete the
2: hippo. wanted to put out the hippo anyway.
1: We can still make the hippo.
2: Let's shoot the hippo. Let's just see what happens when we shoot the hippo. Right. We'll get two takes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can we fix the, the hippo in post? Can, can we? Can we? Can we, can, can we fix it in post? A hippo? Yeah. Leave a
1: hippo. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> These boxes, like they're hiding flutes. You know, that's how we got on the bed stuff. Like, amazing. Yes. They're full of flutes. It's a whole thing, and it turns out like. Not only is that a relatively recent innovation to have fluted walls of boxes, but that was not developed for boxes first. So at the start of the takeaway, I said one of the things was an invention for men's hats. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that in 1856, so less than 200 years ago, 1856, there were two English hat makers named Edward Allen and Edward Healy, and they developed corrugated paper. So they came up with like just the flutes, and they used that for the insides of tall stovepipe hats, like the the style of an Abraham Lincoln hat. I don't know if he used this specifically, but like they, they were like, "What will hold up this very tall stupid hat?" Uh, this kind this of paper is, is the good idea.
1: This is so bizarre to me. This is like making drones to hunt tuna. <laughs> you know, the the initial idea for a product is so, so often so so far away from its yeah. final application. Mm-hmm. How narrow, how narrow is that market?
2: Right. How narrow is that hat? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, at first day, it's just men, and then it's only men who wear stovepipe hat. That's your whole yeah. market. Right. Fedora guys, they're out. Mm-mm. Derby guys, no business. Gone. You're making an invention solely to suit the needs of the stovepipe hat preservers market. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> lucrative and
1: that product goes on to change everything that product is in the, i have it all over my shelves and i could spin my phone and point it cardboard at that's out of control
2: so funny yeah we're surrounded by it now
1: i just have to try to solve as narrow a problem as possible and then maybe that'll yeah. expand to change the whole world
2: <laughs> but aren't they aren't they don't they make up like cardboard the like bills of like ball caps now as well like isn't that like can you imagine how angry the two edwards were when they found out that it was bastardized until like like no this is for a fancy stovepipe hat not that proletariat garbage that those bros are wearing on their heads <laughs> why is the hat not go eight feet up into the air why is it just around the head <laughs>
1: And the dude with the "if you can read this, she fell off" hat comes by. <laughs>
2: no, oh, no. <laughs> they think it's funny.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're the worst. Suddenly, that guy's in a photo with the president. <laughs> I don't know. I just wore that hat that said she fell off my wagon and suddenly I met Grover Cleveland. I have no idea of the timeline I got. Nothing. I really have to do some Googling before I made that actual. Deal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like it was this basically hat component and then it took a pretty long time for it to spread beyond that. The Strong Museum, they say that it took about 10 to 15 years for a second use for corrugated paper (laughs) and it was for shipping. But what they did is like they had wooden crates of stuff and then there would be corrugated paper inside the crate between things, like especially if it was glass objects, there would just be some paper stuck in the middle. But no one had made this next step of like ship the whole thing in it.
1: Interesting. It's like lighting your house with fire and then realizing 10 years later you can cook with it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah and then like there was this whole era of shipping everything in wood very heavy very taxing on the environment not that it doesn't take trees to make cardboard but you need less and then in 1879 a scottish immigrant to the united states named robert gare invents the modern cardboard box and he does it in 1879 in new york city
1: sorry i'm scottish we're very we have to take we need to take pride at every given opportunity
0: yeah, take what you can get yeah. the, the, the box. Yeah.
1: yes for those exactly for right. those at
0: home caitlin was dancing in celebration
2: and uh, flexing, i a little fist bump literally and flexing yeah not the children's term actually flexing muscles <laughs> into, the, into the camera.
1: i'm 41 if i flex like the children did you know the term is
2: over <laughs> it's, yeah that's the notice <laughs>
0: Yeah, and this guy. This is the accident part. So Robert gare born in Scotland, emigrates to the U.S. at age fourteen, serves in the Union Army in the Civil War, and then settles in New York City and co-founds a factory making paper bags. Also, everyone just did a few about which side of the Civil War. Like, yeah. woo, okay,
2: you go either Great. way. <laughs> I flexed on that one. That was my flex. It was the uh, the, the North. Yeah, yeah, we got him. <laughs> we got him. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got that W up here yeah. in New York and Philly and elsewhere. Yeah, we
0: did it. And uh and yeah, and so he builds a factory in Manhattan to make paper bags. This was early enough that you could put up a factory in Manhattan. And uh and then <laughs> they developed machines that could like crease paper to make a flat-bottomed paper bag, which made it a very popular bag. Mm. And then one day at the factory there was an accident with the creasing machine. And what happened is it started slicing through thousands of thick paper bags instead of just creasing them. And then Gare realized he could make one machine that both creased and cut paper. And then from there, he built the machines that make, if you've ever gotten like flat stacked cardboard boxes that have not been set up yet, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like sliced into a shape and then there's also creases where you're going to fold it. And so in 1879, he builds the first machine that does that. And then from there nice. it was suddenly like cheaper and easier to make cardboard boxes. And he made them corrugated shortly after that and and there we are.
2: Very cool. And again, a thing that I never imagined creasing needs a machine to do. Of course it does. And it's very, very important. Like Turns to out. Crease yeah, yeah. Them. They're such
1: cool machines. It's yeah. one of those like YouTube holes to fall into because such it like
0: Oh, you don't think about
1: it, but getting all those angles, Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. in the planning of a box that folds into one shape from one, you know, without individual pieces, it's just some adorable geometry. Um, Yeah, they're very neat.
0: Very cool. Yeah. And I, and I really assumed it would be a thing where like, we didn't know who did it, you know, like several people think of it and it's just all over the place, but But we
1: actually know who got fired for it. I'm sure the accident, (laughs) like, you know, it's the factory owner that's like, and like winds up <laughs> developing a new product, but it is the worker that did ruin that paper that probably went home with their lunch pail that day, never to return to the factory. It's just one of those cool twists of fate. The actual inventor of cardboard works at the hot dog factory across the street now, looking Mm -hmm. (laughs) across the way at his old factory, getting Uh. fuller and fuller and busier.
0: (laughs) Right. Like, what was your heroic moment of invention like? Well, I got chewed out by an angry military veteran with a Scottish accent. So not great. (laughs) Uh, Pretty tough, actually.
1: Uh (laughs) Well, I lost out on any profit from inventing cardboard, but I have most of my fingers. So pretty good day at the paper factory.
2: <laughs> uh, speaking of paper plants, there is growing up we would drive by a area that smelled so bad when I was a kid, and I hated that area. I didn't know why it smelled so bad, and it was because it was oh. a paper factory there, which I think notoriously oh, really? have I don't I don't know if it was sulfur. Or, like, what the smell was. But it was a smell where... And I think in that area, depending on the winds of that day, like, depends on whether or not you're going to have a horrific day in your neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> and, and mm. not be able to play outside. Um, but, yeah, just, I think, uh, paper plants, for some reason, <laughs> the smell that they give off is is terrible. It must be chemical treatment of it There's a
1: town yeah. in the Midwest, mm-hmm. and if this is you, Robot Caitlin me, because... Yes. I've been there and on one side of the town is a dog food factory and on the other side of the town is a cereal factory. So what way the wind blows determines whether or not you're smelling dog sausage or Krispies. Like it's either way, you're getting the toasty grain aroma or you are getting the meat we didn't use aroma. Which one would you pick? It's coin coin toss.
0: It is a coin toss. Yeah, right. Kind of along with that, the, the other last step here that really popularizes cardboard boxes is Robert Gare invents this. He builds a huge new factory in Brooklyn in what's now the Dumbo neighborhood. Hmm. And it says, hey, I have these mass produced corrugated boxes. And it succeeds because he manages to get an order for two million of them from the National Biscuit Company. And so that also, that becomes Nabisco. It's still a company today. Like this box technology was one of the first business secrets of Nabisco was that they had an incredibly cheap, useful way to ship everything.
1: What Simpsons writer wrote this report? Because the cardboard box factory is a masterful joke.
0: It was Dana Gould.
1: Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah, it could have been. Dana, we're giving this to you. Hi, Dana. Followed up by Allied Biscuit, table time. And I, every other biscuit company represented in the Simpsons universe. Uh, I don't recall saying good luck. Uh, it's just such an excellent... It feels yeah. like it's already been... It's part of me since I watched those original airings on Sunday nights.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, and then from there, according to architecture critic Alexandra Lang, corrugated cardboard boxes kind of took over the world overnight starting around the 1880s because it was... Cheaper than wood, lighter than wood, and then also it was really easy to print on. And so before the end of the century, you have every company saying, like, what's the best art to sell this to other like stores and manufacturers, or what's the best art that can directly hook a consumer? Like, this is also the birth of most of the packaging ideas that we think of today, like the graphic design and the the hook of capitalism. Yes. Because <laughs> before that, it's just wood. It's like, here's your wooden crate, and then you get the thing. <laughs>
1: I'm going to give the nod to Apple boxes. I think the cardboard box people look to the fruit distribution community and were like, man, that's some high art. That It is easy to print on. It's fun to print on. And you can print on it, unlike wood, in a more industrial process. So very natural step. Unfortunately, the capitalism ate alive and spat back at us. But nonetheless, it's a cool process.
0: Yeah, and it's it's how life works now. But up until about the 1880s, that's science fiction. It was just not a thing you would have even imagined, uh, unless you were a big futurist. But uh, but let's get into a bunch of other stories. The whole rest of the show an astounding set of stats and numbers. And this week, that's in a segment called Oh Wow. What a coincidence. Okay, statistics, 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 statistics. Statistics now, oh, da 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 We are just talking about The Simpsons. That's freaky. Uh, this name was submitted by Mikeman on Twitter. Have a new name for this segment every week. Please make a as silly and wacky and bad as possible. Submit to Sitpod on Twitter or sitpod at gmail.com. But the first number here is a fraction about cardboard. It is almost half. And almost half is the amount of cardboard boxes in the modern U.S. that are used to pack and ship food. Like specifically mm. food, almost half of our cardboard boxes go in it, uh, and that's to pack food on farms and then hold it for shipping to industrial facilities or to grocery stores.
2: That is interesting. It's as we're speaking, I, I just because of e-commerce and a uh, crippling shopping addiction that has put me in thousands of dollars of debt. I think <laughs> of, <laughs> of shipments <laughs> to me with clothes in them. You know, as the primary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, conduit for cardboard but it is and then you're like oh like actually when you go to the grocery store the oranges are sitting in cardboard you know and more more fruit and you know like they're in (laughs) they're in my stovepipe hats like there are so (laughs) many (laughs) applications of it that are just like hiding in plain sight yeah
1: and that step we don't see like getting to the grocery store before it winds up and everything has to move in it and I suppose the quality of cardboard's like regeneration, you can turn cardboard into more cardboard, definitely yeah, lends right. itself to that sort of process. And it's amazing how long a cardboard box will last. Mm-hmm. Like if you have one of those jobs where you are behind what customers see, you use stuff until not when it's visually unappealing, but when it's literally useless. And a cardboard box has a really long life between visually unappealing and actually useless, Yeah. yeah. which it does <laughs> a lot of work.
0: Yeah, I, it was only a few years ago I went to Costco for the first time.
1: Oh, wow, man. And Costco
0: I... just lets you see all the boxes and, like, gives you back yeah. boxes to put your stuff in. And, like, the other grocery stores are very secretive about it. They're like, don't go back there where we have all the boxes that everything came in. Uh,
2: don't, don't think about it. It's like a museum that <laughs> <laughs> they, they <Yeah>. charge admission for you to look all the boxes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, and then along with that number, there's, like... This isn't quite quantifiable, but Mental Floss points out that basically cardboard has permanently improved the food system for the whole world. Like all shipping of food is cheaper, lighter weight, easier to do. And so we don't have a number, but in general, we just feed a lot more people on Earth because of cardboard. Mm. It's really exciting. That's great. Next number is related to recycling. It is 96.5%. 96.5% is a recent estimate of how many corrugated cardboard boxes in the U.S. get recycled, which is like almost all of them. And it's according to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency.
1: That is so many of them. I suppose cardboard boxes don't often enter our hands when we are not, as as a one person, we're not really, we're usually near our recycling. We're opening a thing and then we put the box down. Yeah. And then if we recycle the thing in the box, that's a wild card baby. But the <laughs> box itself, usually it's a pretty natural step. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. I'm that made me feel good about humanity just now, which is me which too. is like a rare gift to get. So <laughs> yeah, thank you. you gotta take it where you can get it. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm accepting that like readily. Yeah, that's that's really <laughs> great. What was what was the number one more time? Was it ninety yeah, six? Ninety six point five. Amazing. Let's round it up to ninety seven. <laughs>
0: right as a treat yeah
2: (laughs) it's a little extra treat
0: yeah and that's and the epa they have a lot of other stats for other recyclable items apparently like paper in general including this cardboard we recycle 68.2 percent which is still Mm -hmm. pretty good but a lot less and then aluminum only about 34.9 percent glass under 31 percent so uh, it's it's a real uh, like standout in the recycling system is corrugated cardboard boxes. We do great with it.
1: Interesting. Aluminum, if I'm not mistaken, again, wrote by Caitlin, but I'm pretty sure that's also a very recyclable product. It's interesting that we have. And most yeah. aluminum products are just made of aluminum. Like some cans might have some kind of less recyclable wrap around them, but for the most part, you can just yeah. go can. A new can just there's nothing in between very easy it's a very involved process but uh it's just interesting that cardboard reigns supreme as the most recycled product when other competitors in that race are also very recyclable like glass and aluminum.
2: yeah so for me if i'm feeling lazy i've been guilty of okay i'll throw this can in the trash because it fits in there where a cardboard box traditionally does not fit in Into a trash can, you know. So even if you like pack it down and break it down, so I wonder if that's part of it. Where it's so large, it doesn't fit into a traditional. You you can't be a uh, a a naughty person because it doesn't fit into the trash can. If that, that's my that's my theory. At Robot Caitlin, if you don't like that, you can send it over there (laughs) as well.
1: I wonder, though, if that includes stuff like Pop-Tarts boxes and, like, uh-huh. you know, little ramen covers. because a Corrugated cardboard, I'm on board. But yes. I'll speak for my own behavior, because if it does include stuff like your cereal Small box ones. being recycled, then I am responsible for the 3% that is not being recycled. That is just me and all of you have been doing a great job. So, so not every <laughs> piece of cardboard that point. passes my hands does make it to the right receptacle. <laughs> But just yeah. about every corrugated box though.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. The, yeah. According to these stats, like the regular paper, even a cereal box, l- much lower rate. But I think there is something to like the bigness of the boxes even. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. know about you guys, but we have the trash cans and the different recycling cans. And then like a slot where I put folded up boxes until I bring them out later. Because mm-hmm. they, they're just so big. Sometimes they don't fit in a thing. I, I think a lot of people do just like put them aside in a stack and then deal with them later properly.
1: hot mm-hmm. living in cities is a thing. I have five bakers. I could just let a box. I could just have a box.
0: Oh, world. Amazing. I can just build
1: a box environment. I can. It's yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. Off of that, we're going to a short break followed by the big takeaways. See you in a sec. because of both of you. Oh, subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. The next number, this is a bit of a, a flip side of cardboard. Next number is October 2021. So uh, a year ago when this comes out October 2021, that's when the Guardian in the UK, they covered a spike in UK grocery stores putting up cardboard cutouts on their shelves as fill-ins for foods that are out of stock. Uh, the uk especially tesco grocery stores they started people started like just posting on social media hey my tesco is out of let's say asparagus and they put up and I'll, I'll have a picture link for people and put one in the chat but they would just like put up a cardboard reproduction of the item that is not in the
2: store instead of leaving the shelf empty oh int- i i don't know if i love that or hate i think i love it
1: <laughs> you can't have people panicking on an island if, if, if food shortages England yeah. are gonna stress people out you need to let's keep it cool because there's not a lot of room walk around
2: wait can i eat this can i eat this <laughs> this right, picture. Yeah. Yeah.
1: eventually that's what happens is that you just go shopping for the cardboard mm-hmm.
2: asparagus exactly
0: yeah there was there was a whole rash of this the the picture i just shared as a Tesco where In between real apples and real cauliflower, there is a bunch of sheets of cardboard with asparagus drawn on it. Mm -hmm. Adorable. Shoppers also found cardboard pictures of oranges and of grapes at a store in Milton Keynes. They found cardboard pictures of detergent bottles in a store in Cambridge. The the funniest one to me, because I'd never heard of this town name, is that there were cardboard pictures of carrots at a store in the Norfolk town of Fakenham, which is like
2: Come Sounds on. like a fake town. It's great. On brand, Good yeah. <laughs> Prankingham was another, <laughs> <Yeah>. another town.
1: <laughs> At Robot Caitlin, if it's something like, Prankingham, and we've said it wrong. Yeah. But
0: and, uh, there's kind of two takes on why this is happening. According to Tesco, the grocery chain... They said that they are shrinking their range of different products. And so they uh, and it's just to compete with discount grocers like Aldi. And so because of the empty shelves, they decided to put up pictures instead of nothing. But like everything's fine with Tesco, they say. Um, But also the Guardian said it's probably a combination of the covid pandemic and the Brexit decision, because this is October 2021. This happened Mm. like stuff's just hard out there right now.
1: Yeah, everything's fine with me. I just sleep thirteen hours and then I'm sad all day because I'm recharging. Yeah, it's not a big deal. No, 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 no. no. I'm actually doing great, but it is funny to picture Tesco being like, I'm not empty inside. I'm full of. Su- it looks like I'm full. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what? Our competition doesn't have pictures of food where the food should be. This isn't a normal industry standard.
1: <laughs> oh, so your the competition doesn't offer you art. You don't get to see the art on this I like that. It. It's just food. Oh, I'm fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's another number here. This is definitely pandemic related. This is 300 to 400 percent. The range of 300 to 400 percent. That was the year 2020 increase in sales for jigsaw puzzles, mm. which are usually made of cardboard. cardboard with stuff printed on them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's because it's partly because people were home and they were like, I'd like a jigsaw puzzle. So there you go.
1: Yeah, that's the inverse of the the rest of the history, where what a forty one year old does at home is suddenly the most wildly popular thing to do. That <laughs> those of us invisibly, <laughs> with our quiet little hobbies, are suddenly all the rage. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's like what anybody who was already <laughs> adapted to doing stuff at home quietly, they they really handled the start of it well. I think, yeah, Thrived. including me, I, I'm pretty adapted to it.
1: You just want a hybrid, like, Michael's and Abercrombie environment, where the craft stores like the club, only for the most popular kids. be very funny. Heavily scented with the musk of, like, decoupage glue or something. <laughs>
0: well, and also, theres I'm going to link an amazing article from JSTOR Daily. It's, like, the whole history of puzzles and jigsaw puzzles. and they And puzzles could be a whole episode, but as far mm-hmm. as the cardboard element oh, goes... Yeah. And it will be. Yeah, if, if mm-hmm. people vote for it, I would be really excited. Um, but the first first puzzles came around in England in the 1760s, uh, but they were usually made of wood, like pieces of wood, because uh, 1760s, it's a little before cardboard is more and more common. And then, uh, according to JSTOR Daily, there have been two big booms in puzzle sales in the U.S., and one is COVID, but the other was... Also not a great time, the Great Depression in the 1930s. But the big, big reason for that one was cardboard, because right then in the 1930s, the Great Depression is happening, but also more and more puzzles are being made of cardboard. And that super dropped the price of puzzles. And so it became a really handy, cheap entertainment as people like dealt with that situation. So puzzles were very helpful back then. Nice.
1: There is. I find puzzles very entertaining. I enjoy puzzles. I find them quite satisfying. But I, there's a juxtaposition between a, a solving a puzzle in the middle of the Great Depression that seems <laughs> on the nose. It's a, it's you a little much. <laughs> everything before you is in pieces. It's all very unclear what the right process would be to get your life or uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, <clears throat> this puzzle together <clears throat> in the right form. Desperately searching for the borders of your life. I mean, this puzzle. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You try to assemble it in an ever darkening room. (laughs) I just don't know if in the middle, in like Dust Bowl, Kansas, if I could look down at a a broken picture and feel inspired by putting it back together again. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I have to go attach a chain to my car to drive it around or else the static electricity will knock all my electrons up. This is, to me, this, is, this was a secretly incredibly fascinating fact to learn that during Guzmall days, and if you were in that part of the West, you, uh, f- shaking hands fell out of favor because the static was so intense that people would just knock each other over.
2: I thought people just didn't want to see one another. <laughs> we're just too that's angry. I do, I
1: But I don't know if I could go from like the rage, you know, that moment where you have to take a break from your puzzle to get up, to just touch a metal object and be knocked over. Oh, that's, that's just, it was a bleak time. And I, I enjoy puzzles, but I don't know if puzzles necessarily made it. I don't know if that was the toy for the era. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is. I guess the puzzle would be solace because it's like the cardboard of this won't knock me across the room. That's good. That's like, true. It's mm-hmm. my friend.
1: <laughs> it's kind of nice to have a problem that doesn't matter at all when your life is full of problems that do. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, Well, because even, even like the scale of things, then j- there's another number here because j Daily says a 300 piece puzzle cost about 25 cents in 1930s money. And I, I don't totally trust like inflation calculators online, but apparently that's around five dollars today. So even even by Great Depression standards, like that was a reasonable price for entertainment. Like that was that was something most people could afford. So like, you know, puzzles came up big. Uh, despite all the static electricity and uh, societal collapse
2: it was really good yeah, you could you could get a puzzle or see Blake Wexler in a 40 seat black box theater for the same price <laughs> <friend>. so whatever <laughs> <laughs> where my time got cut cuz the owner wants to do a spot so you you can see that
1: oh no <laughs> <laughs>
2: well uh, <laughs>
0: Let's uh, let's jump to a, another part of the past. Uh, this is uh, the, and this is the last number of the main episode. But uh, last number is sixty two thousand five hundred. And there's going to be a, an amazing picture with this too. But sixty
1: two thousand. Why 000... do I want you to say minutes?
0: Oh. <laughs> 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 this I just pivot to auditioning for Broadway. Like I'm here. I'm ready. Uh... <laughs> So yeah, 62,500 is the number of like thin cardboard punch cards that it took to operate one of the early national defense computer systems run by the U.S. government. Whoa. Uh, And I'll have a picture link for people of a lady like standing with the enormous pile of punch cards that you would use if you wanted to run like a Pentagon computer in the 1950s or early
2: 60s. How does she look so cool? Like, she looks like really cool in that picture. Like, the confidence. It's pretty rad. Yeah. I'm going to study that picture so I can achieve just 60% of the, the, the self-confidence that person has. That's incredible. And the punch cards are great.
0: Yeah, she's a really put-together lady in terms of just her whole aspect. It's like, yeah. I could defend the nation
2: by inserting and, and <laughs> taking back out these cards in a big, that, like, that's warehouse. That's what the energy is. That's exactly—you <laughs> just said it perfectly. That's exactly their energy.
0: Yeah, and uh, and this—you know, not all uh, punch cards were the same for early computers. I'm talking, like, huge mainframe ones or whole room ones, but— Uh, You know, a lot of them were a thicker paper, so they were more durable, and and they're definable as cardboard. And according to the Computer History Museum in Mountain View, California, the U.S. government built one of its first computers for national defense in the late 1950s. Uh, It was called SAGE, which stood for Semi-Automatic Ground Environment. And that computer was run on a system of 62,500 different punch cards that you would put in and take out. And those 62,500 cards contain the equivalent of five megabytes of data. Unbelievable. Uh, which is not a lot of data. Like, that, that's
2: a fraction of
0: this episode that you're listening to, is five megabytes. Just too
1: many cards? That's too many cards. It's, I'm
2: going to say it also. It's too many cards. And if you have a problem with that, hit up K1 is too tall, Robot Caitlyn. <laughs> <laughs> I can
1: outsource that. It's just filling me with a unique kind of service industry stress where, like, I would get home from that job and pull off my coveralls, and, like, in it would be like one car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, I would just find one no. on the, like, I'm walking to the coffee maker, and it's just like, wait, is that a is that car over here? Because I was, I got coffee because I was done. This is a, what is the, what is, where? Yeah, I just, I would never sleep. <laughs>
0: I, I like imagining just one fraction of the army turning off because they don't have that.
2: Like, I don't know what it would be. Like one guy just falls over, you know? <laughs> one coast, one guarder of the co- guardian of the coast.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh...
0: Early computing, whole giant topic, but like so much data had to be stored on paper still, like mm-hmm. like pieces of cardboard that you would put in and out of a thing. I, I like thinking of cardboard in all these like massive changing all our lives ways like it, it helped us ship way more food than ever before it helped us invent computers like it's it's incredible really good
2: for sure
1: it was to hold up some hats. yeah like we got here because of the needs of the modern tall hat wearer
2: exactly and name one need more important <laughs>
0: I feel like it was Abe Lincoln and industrialists. It was like the best American and
2: all of the worst Americans and j p. Morgan <laughs> <laughs> J. P. Morgan, which just wore it on his nose
1: It's
2: <laughs> <His, laughs> like alcohol filth nose. um I don't know why I'm taking shots at at old j p. over don't-
1: there. It's pretty easy. That's it not. Is. That's he a pretty good target. You don't yeah. got to worry about that one. You can just go ahead and fire. that well,
2: awesome. If he took less shots, his nose wouldn't have <laughs> looked
1: <laughs>
0: He can take it. He can take he it. He can take it. He's fine. Boom! <laughs> that is the main episode for this week my thanks to caitlin gill and blake wexler for being as enthusiastic about the flutes as i am right now we know they are flutes that's what's on the edge anyway i said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now if you support this show on patreon.com Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is three weird recent stories about cardboard cutouts of people. Right? Fake people made of cardboard. Not groceries, people. Visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show, for a library of more than nine dozen other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. By the way, like I said in the intro, there is a free upload of one of those bonus shows in your public feed today, if you're hearing this. It's me and Jason Pargin talking about Halloween candy and myths around that and dangers around that, but really, really mainly 99.9% of the time myths around that. So I hope you enjoy that. I hope it helps you realize how many amazing other bonus shows await you if you do start supporting this podcast. And also, that makes the entire podcast possible at all. So please consider it. And thank you for exploring cardboard with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaway, plus numbers. Because takeaway number one out of one, the modern cardboard box comes from the whole entire history of paper, and from an invention for men's hats, and from an accident at a paper bag factory. I know there's a lot there, but whole history of paper, stovepipe hat support, And that accident at the Scottish guy's paper bag factory. There we go. And then the whole rest of the show piggybacks on that incredible story. got everything from recycling to puzzles to massive computers to novelty fake British groceries. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. We joked about their socials and also CaitlinGill.com, BlakeWexler.com. Those websites lead you to the stand-up specials of both of these very funny stand-up comedians. Caitlin Gill's new special is called Major. Blake Wexler's latest special is A Lifetime of Laughter. Both fantastic. Hurry up and check those out. On top of that, Blake Wexler has the podcast Blake's Takes for God's Sakes. Caitlin Gill makes t-shirts at Guaranteeshirts.com. So many great guest links this week. I hope you check them out. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. I leaned out a lot of digitized museum collections this week, in particular the Strong National Museum of Play, which is in Rochester, New York, the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, and the Computer History Museum in Mountain View, California. Lots of other sources from there, including sixsquarefeet.com, The Guardian, JSTOR Daily, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by The Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. Hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more secretly incredibly fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then.